Welcome to Lifehouse Church Online. To know more about our senior pastors, head to the Lifehouse website. We hope you enjoy the service. Great to be with you guys. Welcome everybody. If you are new here today, can we just give you another Lifehouse welcome and say thank you so much for being here. Those of you that are online, welcome as well. It's great to see you. Well, not that we can, but by faith we can. It's great to be with you. Well, we are in a middle of our series. Actually, I, I lie, we are at the end. <laughs> this is it. But I heard Pastor Dave Lambert's message last week was phenomenal. And seriously, I've had text messages about it. I literally heard three people congratulating him out in the foyer. If you didn't listen to it, you probably should. Um, I think he spoke a lot of truth in that message, and I'm hoping today uh, once again. Now, I need to warn you right up front, today is going to be very challenging. Is anyone up for that? You okay? It, it all comes out of love, okay, but we're talking about pain. We're, I mean, we're already talking about something that causes us pain because we're talking about pain, right? And, and some people have said, we've never really heard a series or a whole series of messages about pain, but it's been so helpful, isn't it, to understand that it's not abnormal to go through some painful situations. And to make some sense of it all, knowing that some things we just cannot make sense of. Is that okay? We need to have that little bit of space where we just go, who knows? But there's a whole lot of stuff that we do know. And today is one of those messages, okay? Now, I'm telling you, seriously, you need to brace yourself because it is a tough message. But you, you just need to be honest with yourself. Is that okay? You, you're with me? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it is a double-edged sword. Lord, it brings us a whole lot of grace, but Lord, it also brings us a whole lot of truth. And uh, Lord, we just want to tell you by faith, we are up for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Now listen, just because it's one of those, you know, pretty you know, rubber hits the road messages, I still need lots of amens and praise the Lord. Is that okay? Amen. And does anyone say praise the Lord? We should be saying praise the Lord. We should be saying praise the Lord. Maybe we don't say it anymore, but we need to. Okay. So here it is. I just need you to see, I need you to see the outcome of some of these scriptures in a moment, okay? And then you need to tell me what they all have in common, okay? So these are some of the outcomes of, please don't put up any scriptures just yet, guys. Just, I need you to just hear these words. What about a word like destruction? Or a fall? Or shame? Or strife, or humiliation. Does anyone love those things in life? No. All those things we would say are painful situations. Would we all agree? They're all those things are full of pain, destruction, shame, uh, 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 humiliation. Like these things are painful. Strife. Some of the some of us have got these things going on in our life right now. Some of you have experienced them, and some of you may experience some of these things. What do all of those things have in common? Well, we're going to go through them just verse by verse very quickly so I can lay a foundation, and then we'll move on to the really positive part. This is still positive, but it's just a little bit hard to hear sometimes. Are you ready? Here we go. Proverbs 16 verse 18 says this. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before the fall. Destruction, a fall, you've got pride in the mix. Next verse, Proverbs 11, 2. It says, when, when, come on, read it with me. When 
pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 13 verse 10. Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Proverbs 29 verse 23. Pride ends in humiliation, while humility brings honor. Title of my message, The Pain of Pride. The Pain of Pride. Do you know, often we see, pri- uh, we see pain in lots of areas where we've had nothing to do with it. It's just, pain has just come along and caused and wreaked its havoc in our lives, and we've done nothing wrong. But often, we have brought on the pain through our own pride. Can we admit that today is the big question? Or is it always someone else's fault? That's pride speaking right there. That's pride speaking. It's, it's not me. It's him. It's her. That's pride speaking. Now, sometimes it literally is the other person. But what you need to do today and what I need to do today is own what is ours. Amen. Otherwise, we will find these things wreaking havoc in our life over and over and over again. Now, you've got to trust me when I say, friends, you may deal with fixing cars. You may deal in building homes. You may deal in fixing speakers or selling them. You may sell lighting. I deal with people. And if there's anything I know, I know the good things that are going on in people's lives and I know the terrible things. I know when people are heading toward the edge of destruction or I know when they're on the precipice of absolute prosperity in their life. I see it all. And if I can just pass to you from the platform today, can I do that? Can I pass to you online? Please hear me when I quote the word. Okay, this isn't just hearsay, this isn't theory, and, and this is the word is speaking today. Can we submit ourselves to the word? If you're new here today, seriously, you don't even need to be a believer in God, to be honest, to understand what I'm saying today, because we all live in the same world with the same emotions, amen? Give someone a high five and say, I'm feeling the pain already, yeah? I'm feeling the pain already. Are you okay? All right, just humor me sometimes and just clap for no reason at all, because... Okay, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Because here it comes, here it comes. Beware when people turn 40. <laughs> Amen. Beware. If you're in a relationship, mum and dad, whoever it may be in your life, beware when people turn 40. Why? 40 represents in the Bible the end of a season. That's what it represents. It represents, for example, how, for how long is a woman pregnant? 40 weeks. It's the end of a season. Expect, expectation begins to grow. People expect something after 40. F- they traveled in the desert for how many years? 40 years. What, what were they hoping would come at the end? A pr- Does anyone know? A promised land. That's what they were hoping for. And when people turn 40, they look around their life and they go, where's the baby and where's the promised land? Because for a lot of people, they look around them and they go, my life is terrible. And I thought I'd have more by now. I thought I'd be in a different position. I thought my relationship would be better by now. And people start to weigh up their lives. And this is a warning to everybody. If you're in a relationship and you haven't made your partner's life as pleasant as it can possibly be. It's not your responsibility to make people happy. We've taught taught that before. 
You cannot make someone happy. It's a decision they need to make. But if you're making their life a living hell, they will wake up one day and say, enough is enough. And why will, we, why will they be saying that? Most likely because of pride. Most people will wake up and just say, I don't want to do this for the next 40 years. And, and my job is to try and make sense of that and say, no, but come on, people can change and people can change. But can we just start with one of the big ticket items? Let's deal with pride today. Because I'm telling you, when you wake up and have that thought, I'm telling you, get some help. The Bible talks about getting good advice. Amen. And we can work through the pain as long as we are willing to get rid of the pride. Amen. People start to change. People are not ignorant forever. You can't keep the wool over someone's eyes forever. Am I being real enough with you today? Okay. When you turn 40, it should be a time when you look around you and you go, my life may be tough. There are some trials. There are some testings going on. But I love my life. And I love who I'm doing it with. And I'll make the appropriate changes to make my partner's life, my friend's lives, my employer's life easier. Are you with me? You know, I did a study. I I wanted to know, you know, how how do you become the best leader you can possibly be? So I started reading a whole lot of books about leadership. Not a bad thing to do if you intend to be a leader. I want to be a good leader. And so I read a book by a guy called Jim Collins. Anyone heard of Jim Collins? And he did a whole lot of research that I didn't have to do. But what he did is he, he, he looked at the most powerful companies in the top Fortune 500, okay? He researched 1,435 companies, and out of those companies that were in the Fortune 500 that have been in there, only 11 of them had sustained growth over a 30-year period. And he wanted to work out why. Why did these companies do well? So he... He researched the CEOs of those 11 companies and he discovered that there was a common factor with every single one of them. I would have thought it's extravagant vision. I would have thought incredible intelligence. I would have thought uh, eloquent uh, articulation. That's what I would have thought it was. But this is what Jim Collins, who is not a Christian author, says. He says, every one of those CEOs had this going on. Are you ready? A deep sense of personal humility. They're running Fortune 500 companies. A deep sense of humility, doubt, and drive. Doubt, doubting what? Doubting that they've got it all under control. Always willing to grow. But they've always got a drive. A drive to do what? A drive to be as humble as they can possibly be. Why do these companies do so well? Because those type of leaders make people feel safe. And I don't know about you, but I want to be the sort of leader, I want to be the sort of husband, I want to be the sort of dad, I want to be the sort of friend where people feel safe around me. And I'll tell you what makes people feel safe, when they are dealing with a humble person. Amen? Because remember, at Lifehouse, we don't believe that you can ever live in no man's land. Okay? I can't tell you, hey, do not think about anything right now. Think about nothing. It's impossible to do. Some of you guys know, well, I just did it. (laughs) I know that's what you tell your wife. What are you thinking? Nothing. That's not true. You just don't want to tell her what you're thinking about. The next motorbike, the next whatever it is you're thinking of. The truth is, people love humble people. And we cannot live in a no man's land. So today I've said to you, hey, listen, let's deal with pride. Don't try and get rid of pride. 
don't, don't fight pride. Become humble. Just become humble. It's like me telling, it's, it's like me, don't eat Maccas. Stop eating the two all beef patty special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame. Don't eat that. Don't eat that hot McDonald's with the hot. That's not, I, I would imagine that's not working for you. Me telling you not to do something actually doesn't do a whole lot. What I need to tell you is what, so what do I need to do? And do you want to get rid of pride today? Come on, let's go on a journey of becoming humble. Amen? Let's be humble. Okay, what, now what we're going to do, I'm going to try that again, and this time we're going to give the appropriate response. Hey, guys, let's be humble. Yeah, amen. Yeah, amen, amen. And, and, and remember, Pastor Rich, why are you doing this? Because I just want to see you reduce the pain in your lives. Okay? So this is almost, this, this, this could actually be a part of the relationship series. We know that, right? But every message at Lifehouse could be a part of the relationship series, to be honest, because life is all about relationships. Now, if that's the truth that, that humility is the power punch when it comes to leadership, why aren't more people humble? Why aren't they? Because most of us have associated humility with weakness. I don't want to be humble. I'm sick and tired of being someone's punching bag or doormat. That's what we have associated humility with. We've associated it with being self-depreciating. In other words, tolerating anything, putting up with everything. That's what we think humility is. That's not humility. I don't know who told you that's humility. It's not humility. Or, or you know, when, when, when a worship leader sings a great song and then you walk up to them in the foyer and you go, wow, you were on point today. That was amazing. And they go, it's not me, it's not me, it's the Lord. That's not humility either. No, no, you, you, you sort of pushing back someone's uh, encouragement is not humility. Let me tell you what humility really is. Well, well, actually, let's just back up a little bit before I even go there. To prove the point that we've misunderstood what humility is, have a look at what Numbers chapter 12 verse 3 says about a very important man called Moses. Let's have a read of this. It says, now Moses was a very humble man. More humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Wow, imagine that being said about you. Like, this is what it says about Moses in the Bible, except that it was Moses who wrote that. <laughs> it's the book of Numbers. Moses wrote that about himself. Now, I am the most humble man on the face. Now, we know that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, right? But why was he even able to write that about himself? Because humility is not self-depreciation and thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. Yeah, I don't know if I can say it again. <laughs> We've got the wrong idea of what humility is. I'm, and I'll, I'll get to the definition of it. Uh, Matthew 11, verse 29, we see Jesus echoing the same thing about himself. He says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, he says, because I am humble. We, we don't think we can say the words, I am humble. You, by just saying it, you're not humble anymore. No, no, no. He says, but I am humble and gentle at heart. Hey, if Jesus said it, I can say it. Yeah, Amen. If Jesus said he is humble, then we can be in a position where we say, you know what? I've learned that being humble is a very important thing in life. You can say that about yourself. 
He says, he says, I'm humble and I'm gentle at heart, he says, and you will find rest for your soul. So what is this humility thing that destroys pride? It just dis- it annihilates it. How can we live a humble life that will do that? Let me tell you what humility really is. It's a deep awareness, a deep awareness that everything you are, that every gift and talent that you possess and that everything you've achieved has happened because God or someone else helped you. That's what humility is. Humility is is that deep sense that everything that is going on, it's like, God, I'm so thankful for it, but thank you for doing this in my life. Father, yeah, amen. You know what? I'm not perfect, neither are you, but I can honestly say I think I've been a good husband to my wife. I think I've been a good dad. I wouldn't even say great necessarily, but I've been good, good enough that that they're not all messed up, okay? Good enough. I think that's a good starting point, right? And you know what? Not for a second do I think, and it's because I'm so great. No, I know what God has done in my life. And, and it just humbles me. And I, I used to say to my kids when they were younger, you don't want to see dad without Jesus. You don't, you don't want to see, oh, you think I'm awesome, that's great. You don't want to see me without Jesus, though. And imagine we just had that deep sense in our life that everything we are, every gift you've got, you know where it comes from. Even the partner that you're with. Did you get them because of your good looks or did God give them to you? Because if you got them, if you got that partner, then you can mistreat them if you want because you're the one that got them. But if God gave them to you, man, you better treat that gift really, really well then. Amen? Yeah, yeah, come on. Your children, your children, where did they come from? Oh, you know, Pastor Rich, you know, you know. Yeah, but I know lots of people that you know, you know, and they can't have kids. So ultimately, are they a gift from God to you? Are they, is it God saying, can you please care for these little ones until they come home to heaven? Or are they your kids that you just get to do what you want, say what you want, behave the way you want? Or, are they a, or do you have a deep sense that everything you've got, the house that you've got, the cars that you drive, everything has come from God, through God, through other people helping you. That just destroys the spirit of pride. Amen. And we've got to go at this. We have to go for it. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5, makes a very powerful statement, okay? Now listen, we started this message talking about, we started this message talking about the pain of pride, okay? The pain that pride brings. But to be quite honest, the message is actually more about the hope of humility, I don't want you walking out these doors saying, I've got to be less full of pride. I've got to be... No, no, no. Humility is your goal. Not to not have pride. Are you hearing me? We've got to know what we're going for. And what you're going for is humility. That's why the Apostle Peter, in chapter 5, verse 5, he says, in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. Wouldn't it be great if our, this generation worked that out and stopped being disrespectful to you? To, amen? amen? Yeah, and all the people over 55 said, amen. It says... It says, and all of you, how many of us? It says, dress yourselves in humility. Now, I'm looking across the room and I'm noticing that you're all clothed. Thank God. <laughs> Not like last week. Yeah, we're all dressed this week. Do you know, you know, when you, I think for most of us, when you went to put your clothes on today, you actually gave it some thought. And you tried to mix and match stuff and, and you took the time. And it's actually an effort to get dressed. Some of you spent way too much time thinking about what you were going to wear. No one really notices what you're wearing, to be honest, okay? 
But I, what I'm trying to say is you wake up every day and you give some conscious thought to what you're going to wear. The Bible is saying every day, wake up and say, today I need to be humble. Today I need to make a decision, no matter what situation I'm in, no matter what I'm talking about today at work with my employees, today I will put on humility. I'm going to dress myself. Why? It says, as you relate to one another, for, here it comes, this is why you would do this, because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Amen. And I want God in my life. I want God in this church. I want God in the friendship that we have. And the way God's going to do that is through humility. God opposes the proud. Now, the truth is, it's not God who actually opposes the proud. You oppose him being involved. That's what proud people do. They keep God out. I've got it. Hello, God. I've got it. Get out. Oh, I've never said that. But your spirit has. Humility is, God, I need you. Every moment I need you. Amen. That's what humility is. When, when was the last time you literally woke up in the morning and said, God, please, I want to humble myself before you. I'm going to clothe myself in humility. First Peter chapter 5 keeps going, and it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So this is a very important moment for me to say, when someone says something that is full of pride, that is not your opportunity to say, uh-huh, Pastor Richard said you should be more humble. And you pull out your humble police badge. No, no, the Bible says humble yourself. I can't humble you. Only you can humble yourself. And when you choose to humble yourself, amazing things start to happen in your world. Are you with me? Guys, this is not a cultural thing. I know that we think some cultures have got more pride than others. To be honest, I've met proud people in every culture. I've met humble people in every culture. It's a decision that you make on your own because you know the power that it will bring. I am telling you, let me just cut to the chase. If, if, if when people go for marriage counselling, if both of them will sit there and say, look, I know that I don't say the right thing and do the right thing all the time. I get it, but I'm owning what I do. And then the other person says, no, no, sweetheart, I'm going to own what I do. I wish it would go like that. No, it's he says, she said, but why? And and that's pride. We're not going to get anywhere because God God is in the room going, can't help you. God, but I want God involved. Yeah, he's not getting involved apparently. God opposes the proud. Please hear me. That's the word of God speaking. God opposed you. All gone very quiet now. Oh, <laughs> Pastor Richard messing with us now. Good. Let the word of God tear you apart and build you back together again in Jesus' name. Pride will destroy. Come on, we saw the words destruction, shame, humiliation. It all comes with pride. But humility, the Bible says, brings honor. Does anybody want to live a life of honor? Hey, come on. He's going to lift us up in due time. James chapter 4, verse 10. Some people are saying, gee, I'd like to hear more of the word. Okay, here it comes. Read this one out with me once again. One, two, three. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. A different apostle saying the exact same thing. Actually, you find that all over the word of God. Different prophets saying the exact same thing. You humble yourself. God will lift you up. You humble yourself, 
God will lift you up. Do, do you know what I see? People lifting themselves up and God's going to pull them down. So you, you get to make a decision. You humble yourself, God exalts you. Or you exalt yourself and then you have to be humbled. I'd rather humble myself, thank you very much, rather than anyone else humbling me. Give someone a huge high five and say it's still hurting. Do you know, this is such an important aspect. And with the last few minutes that I've got left, I just want to show you biblically, I think I already have, but let me explain to you why this is so important. Does anybody want to achieve some great things in life? Okay, does anyone want to take on the world, do great things for God? Yes, amen? Right, okay. Do you remember the day that Jesus, the carpenter, woodworker, cabinet maker, Jesus, says to a fisherman who couldn't catch fish, do you remember what he says to him? Cast your net to the other side. What do you think Peter was thinking in that moment? <laughs> hey, be honest. What do you think Jesus' comment to Peter, what, what do you think that may have stirred up in Peter? A little bit of... <laughs> he wouldn't have done that because that's an Italian thing. But if he was Italian, he would have gone, yeah, cause a fun. <laughs> right? Right? No, he was, he's, he's Middle Eastern. He would have gone, that's what he, <laughs> I know this, mate. Cut to the chase for them. Now, seriously, don't you think Peter would have gone, seriously, Jesus? I've been fishing a long time, bro. And when there's no fish, there's no fish. We go home. But Jesus says, no, no, cast your net to the other side. Do you know what spirit he would have needed to have to, in order to do that? Do you know what? He would, he would have needed to be. All right. So you're telling me that I shouldn't answer back. Oh, so you're telling me that I should just forgive. Oh, you're telling me that I should just keep turning up. Oh, you, you don't know, Pastor Rich. You don't know. Yeah, I do know. Cast, keep casting your net to the other side. Do you have a humble enough spirit that when the Word of God speaks, you can disregard your own prideful thoughts and say to yourself, God, let your will be done. The Bible tells us that Peter ends up saying to Jesus, Lord, at your word. In other words, I think it's nuts. But at your word, I'm going to have another go. And we all know that he caught a whole lot of fish. And we all want to see God do the, miracul the miraculous. Pull your pride aside and take on humility. And you will see God do miracle after miracle after miracle in your world. That's what it's going to take. Launch out into the deep, he says. Come on, guys. We can do this. Pride is a terrible decision maker. It's what got us into this mess that we are currently in. But what does the Bible say about humility? Psalm 25, verse 9. Psalm 25, verse 9. It says, God, he guides the humble in what is right, and he teaches them his ways. Do you want to know more of God's ways? You're going to have to humble yourself. What does it say about the proud person? Psalm 10, verse 4. It says, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. Why? Why doesn't he seek him? Because he knows it all. He knows everything. He's heard it all, done it all, seen it all. I don't need. Well, that's what happens. It says, and in all, and in all of his thoughts, there's just no room for God. Is it up there somewhere? 
There's just no, have you got room for God? Or is it all full of you? Is it full of me? Is this okay? Did I warn you? Yeah, okay, great. At least I warned you. Is it full of you? Are you trying to do marriage your way? You're trying to do it God's way. Because some of the things he will ask you to do does not make sense. You haven't been intimate with your partner for months and months, and the Holy Spirit says, go buy her a diamond ring. No, she doesn't deserve that. I don't get what I need. Why should she get... Your, your pride is leading the relationship. Destruction, humiliation, shame. That's what's coming your way. How about you listen to the Holy Spirit? But it doesn't make sense to me. Great. Go with God. Go with God then. Come on, guys. He's so powerful. He wants to do the miraculous in your life. Are you okay with this? Man, it's very quiet in here. I, lo- I love it. Apparently people, when they're eating, don't open their mouths. So that's okay. It means you're eating something. Yeah, your mouths are full of the Word of God. Amen, yeah? yeah that's good. That's great. That's good. That's good. Hey, listen. Let me just end with this. Do we all know the story of a guy called Naaman? Anyone know Naaman? Naaman was a very powerful warrior in the land of Syria. And he was very powerful. The Bible says that, that he was a valiant man. Doesn't mean he, dry, he drove valiants, guys. It, <laughs> some of you are like, see? Told you it was a God thing to drive a valiant. No. It means, you know, very powerful in victory, right? And so he was a valiant man. The Bible says, though, that he had leprosy. He had leprosy. He needed a miracle. Does everyone know that you need a miracle? Yeah. So he needed a miracle from God. Well, this valiant man, this very powerful leader gets told by a 12-year-old girl, hey, do you know this sickness you've got? My God in Israel can heal you. Well, there's a few problems with that. Number one, in that culture, you don't listen to girls. You don't listen to 12-year-old girls. And you don't tell a very powerful leader that my God is better than yours. But Naaman gets on a horse and travels to Israel to go meet the prophet that could heal him. Pride wouldn't have let him go there. Some of you know the story. Pride would not have let him even get on a horse. He just would have rebuked the girl. What do you know, you 12-year-old girl? But this valiant leader takes on the advice of a 12-year-old girl and gets on a horse and travels over to Israel. He finally gets to Israel with all of his army. He knocks on the door of the prophet The prophet doesn't even come and meet him at the door. He sends out his servant. Yeah, what do you want? I want to be healed of leprosy. Apparently there's a prophet here. The servant goes back inside. Hey, there's a guy out there. He needs to be healed. Elisha says, go tell him to wash himself seven times in the dirtiest river in Israel. And Naaman gets so offended, just like most of us do. Do you remember how offended he got? He started riding off. He started riding off. And one of his captains said, what are you doing? Let's go to the river. He goes, river? Why would I take my leprous skin to a dirty river? We've got cleaner rivers in Syria. Why would I I wash myself here? And then he says, and he didn't even come out. Read it for yourself. He didn't even come out and wave his hands all around me. He was offended. But thank God he had someone 
someone in his life that said, hey, if he asked you to do a really hard thing, you would probably do it. But he's told you to go wash yourself seven times. Why don't you just go do that? Thank God for that person in his life. Who's that person in your life? Who's that person that can say, stop being offended, bro. Say sorry to your wife. You could possibly save your marriage. Who's that person in your life? You don't need to buy that car. You can't afford it, man. Yeah, but I want everyone to say, you can't afford it. Who's that person in your life? Thank God Naaman had someone. So Naaman goes down to a dirty river full of leprosy. And he goes down once. No change. You know what that tells me? You can, you can apply this message and things still go badly. Then he goes down again, comes back up, still got leprous skin. It didn't even get 3% better. It was still exactly the same. Just like all the principles you've put in place, sometimes you see no change. No change. But it's the truth. And then he goes down three times. Four times. Does anyone know how many times he went down? Seven times with no change visibly. And then he comes up from the seventh and he is completely healed from head to toe. Completely healed. Completely healed. Can you just back up with me? Because I know it's a great story. <laughs> great story. How much humility did this guy need to have? 12-year-old girl, my God, he's better than yours. Get, get on a horse, travel for kilometers. The guy doesn't even come out to say hello. Tells you to go and wash in a dirty river. How much humility? But he got his miracle in Jesus' name. He got his miracle. Come on, someone. He got his miracle. He got his miracle. How much humility do you need? As much as God says you need. Do what He says. And some of you are thinking, this is just a nice, this is a nice message. No, no, there are, and I'm going to say this as boldly as I can and trying to protect people as much as I can. But there are people who are going to lose their marriage because of pride. I'm talking in the next few weeks. I'll put a stopwatch on it. If someone doesn't humble themselves, it's over. And it breaks my heart. And I just think, why? Why do you want the humiliation and the shame and the destruction? And the st why do you want all that? Why don't you just have honor and love and joy and peace and patience? Why, why are you going down this road? Now listen, I know it sounds like it's a guy thing. Guys, humble yourself. Yes, I would say, guys, humble yourselves. But I've seen women that are just as proud. Well, that's not the way my mum did it. It doesn't really make a difference for your relationship. You guys have got to work it out together. Dress yourself in humility. Dress yourself in humility. Dress yourself in humility. Dress yourself. And I've gone over 55 seconds, but I can't end the message without saying it. Stop listening to Instagram, please. If he's not giving you what you need, you deserve better. What a selfish way to do life. Now, how about you make their life better? And hopefully they're hearing this message and they're trying to make your life better. Hey, listen, we've made commitments. We don't run. Are you, are you, is this okay? Yeah, amen. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Richard, telling us the truth. Amen. Amen. 
This is serious, guys. Come on. Do you know what hurts children the most? A parent that will never say, I'm sorry. What does it take to do that? Humility. What does it take for a pastor to not want to put up rude comments about the Collingwood Football Club? Humility, guys. I'm living this. I'm living. <laughs> Had to end on a light note, yeah? Hi, I'm Richard Kabakian, pastor of Lifehouse Church. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message, and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now, and if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you.